Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe, together with Guinness. Welcome to episode three. Uh, Andrew, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great, Barry. Cool, cool. Good to have you back. Did did you have a pleasant weekend? I did. Uh, I had a great weekend. What a weekend to be... Uh, in Ireland, with the bank holiday, you know, everyone's just kind of relaxed. Obviously, well, you don't have bank holidays up north, right? No, we do have you bank do. holidays. <laughs> right, yeah. but just not this one. No, yeah, this one, um, uh, unfortunately, I was working yesterday. Oh, God, man, you missed out <clears throat> majorly. I think it's my favourite of all bank holidays. It just breaks up the year so nicely. The weather was incredible. There's so much going on. There was music festivals all over the country. There was... You know, the Cork Jazz Festival, Dingle Folk Fest, there was GAA County Finals and Semi-Finals, a ton of uh, <coughs> Guinness Pro 14 rugby, obviously. Uh, so no doubt you um, used your day off to, to do something productive and have a good time. And I kind of watched Hocus Pocus in the morning <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Casper in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, but I went to see Bohemian Rhapsody at two o'clock yesterday, which was a very solid bank holiday Monday. And I know you saw it Saturday night. I saw it Saturday. It was at our date night. It's my wife's birthday this week, so that was our date night. Oh, what a brilliant date. Yeah, it was class. Isn't it? Absolutely class. Yeah, so inspiring. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was watching it the whole time thinking, Barry's so lucky he's in a band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like Queen. Yeah, yeah. well, I was just, just exactly like that. You do have a bit of a Freddie Mercury vibe. <laughs> Thank you, man. He's the greatest rock star of all time. Although I, I said <clears throat> initially that you're halfway between Buble and Amy Winehouse. Right. I don't think Freddie Mercury fits that. Is he not? Sh- surely he's even beyond Winehouse. Yeah, true. He's certainly up there with Winehouse anyway. Yeah, he's pretty. He was pretty out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was a, obviously a very sad story, but so inspiring and uh, funny. And what I loved about it was you get to see the birth of all those incredible songs that we've all grown up with. Those anthems—they're like anthems to the yeah. gods. Yeah. You know, and like he, I think they were Queen's greatest hits. Was the first album I ever bought after my first Holy Communion money I went and I bought a Walkman and Queen's Greatest Hits at seven so seven years of age so that was like wow yeah so it yeah. was, it was brilliant that, wasn't it wasn't it it was cla- just the, the, the build up the whole way along the story the, the kind of mm. the amount of times they fell out with each other and then the next day they're like grand we're friends again we're going to go back making music having a good time mm. and it was building building up building up all the way to, to Live Aid and the whole kind of movie climaxes at Live Aid yeah. and just before the live aid scene, my missus turned around and says, I'm really thirsty, you wouldn't get me a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't believe you. So I you, didn't, you didn't do it. <laughs> I did, yeah. Oh my God, you're like the best husband on the planet. Yeah, anyway. Wow. Got so, it done. I was, yeah. I was, to be fair, I was back within 30 seconds. Okay. Sprinted still, down that. You still got it. Yeah, I still got it. Yeah. I think uh, we, we, we recorded our album in a place called, our last EP, with Hermitage Green, the band, in a place called Rockfield Studios, which is a very famous uh, studio in North Wales. And if you've seen that film, they recorded Night at the Opera. I don't know if you remember that moment where they go to that farmhouse yes. and they record. Is so that where that was? That's where that was. So wow. we, I was watching it going, oh my God, this is where it happened. And uh, when we went to this studio, <coughs> one of the reasons we went there, we knew they recorded Night at the Opera there. Uh, you know, Oasis recorded, definitely maybe there. Uh, 
Coldplay recorded Parachute since it's got a lot of history yeah. so he went there and it's just an old farm that this dude owns his name is Kingsley and he just wanders around the place he's a proper farmer and he just rents it out to people when they want to come and record wow. so so much history in the walls there's nothing there's nothing hanging or anything like that there's no pictures but when we got there he'd wander into the studio every once in a while and when he does you just have to sit back and listen to him and let him go off and he came in one day and he was like um you see that wind chime out there and there's like or it wasn't wind chime it's one of those wind uh, arrows you know with north south east uh -huh. and west on it and he's like when queen were recording uh night at the opera freddie was here and he was sitting down there at the piano and he just looked out and he said and the wind was blowing it around and he said anyway the wind blows that's where he came up with the lyric <laughs> and i was like that's gotta be bullshit but it's brilliant <laughs> i'm going with it he so sounds like the the music equivalent of rala Yes, exactly. Paddy O'Reilly, yeah. the, the Irish bagman. Yeah. Just a storyteller. Yeah. He has massive purpose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he can he can go off on tangents Brilliant. all the time. Yeah. So all the big names then, Queen, Coldplay, yeah. Oasis yeah. and... Uh, what you call Stone Roses, Hermitage Green, obviously, <laughs> Hermitage yeah, Green. we're in the same. So uh, so yeah, it was... Um, it was it was a, it was great. I also watched a ton of rugby. Obviously, the Guinness Pro 14 kicked back into action. And it's hard not to start with Munster's uh, very exciting win in Thoma Park on Saturday night and Rory Scannell's incredible kick. We were hoping to have Rory Scannell on the phone this morning, but he's actually flying from Dubai to South Africa at the moment. So you're going to take his place, Andrew, as Rory Scannell. Um, OK, that should be, that's fine. That's OK, so you can talk us through that last couple of minutes and the decision to take the kick uh -huh. and the pressure... Because like Andrew, if he was here, would obviously couldn't kick shite off a rope. So we snow, need snow off a snow rope. off a rope, same thing. <clears throat> so yeah, what do you think? Did you did you uh, did you see that last couple of minutes in the monster game? And I did, yeah. Um, as you say, there's there's so many talking points in the last five minutes, like yeah. almost as many as there were in the entire game. Uh, but obviously, Pete O'Mahony with the turnover, you could see he was just. He was just snooping about behind the defensive line. Did you see him say to Standard? Yes. That was so good. I know. What did, like we just said, like, take the latch. You could see he was just, he could see the way that um, Glasgow were shaping up. Mm. Yeah, take the latch, whatever the call was. And you who take was out it? the latch, I'll get on the ball. Yeah, who, yeah, it was someone on the inside as well. It might have been Jean Klein or could it be Billy Holland? Anyway, Billy Holland, I think. Billy Holland, yeah. 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 And he kind of. He he was kind of blocking off on the inside. Standard was blocking off on the outside. Totally illegal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it worked an absolute treat. Yeah. And for me, Pete was off his feet as well. He was. His studs were in the air. Yeah, the ref was just on the other side of the rock. Yes, you can see, it. yeah. But I think that last five minutes, and even the last ten minutes, like I, it was so interesting to see Glasgow's tactics, fair play, and they stuck at it. They didn't kick the ball much in the game. Yeah. And they could have just drilled it into the corner a couple of times and, and you know kept it out of their half, but they continue to just play rugby and Munster they were, were going to find it hard to get the ball off them so it's just like a matter of trying to drive them back and use line speed to get off the line either chop them or hold them up and try and force them back and they actually got them from their own 10 metre line just to the half just before the halfway, and then <clears throat> obviously every inch counts when you're trying to get a penalty or, or with a potential shot at goal yeah. so for for them to get like for that intent at that at that late in the game for Pete to have that quick decision to go get off the line take the latch out get him on the ground get a penalty I mean yeah. that's that's next level stuff I was yeah. so impressed with that no it was really they, they looked 
they looked really composed. They looked really kind of structured. They looked like they've, they've coached that. Mm. I'm sure there's a Van Grand kind of stamp on that. Yeah. And just organize, orchestrating the whole situation so Pete can get in the ball. <clears throat> Pete was doing, I don't know if you've ever seen, Pocock does that quite a bit. Um, I know when we were playing Australia a few years ago, Sean O'Brien made that point. He always just kind of hovers behind the line so that when someone falls long, mm. Then they've just got a second to get in the ball, and Pocock obviously yeah. uh, can you know can be on that really quickly. But Pete did that, and there was about three or four phases just before Pete was like just floating in behind, in behind the rock at one stage. He went round to the open side, and then he floated it back round because at that stage, who cares if your line's short? Mm. It's actually it might work better in Glasgow or in. Um, Monster's favour if Glasgow try and play, try and play with width because they'll cough the ball up, they might throw an intercept. They're not yeah. going to do that, so mm. just shorten your line, take risks with your defence. Yeah. That's what he did, and he just, just popped on the ball, and yeah. uh, it was unbelievably well executed. Yeah, I loved how he was uh, <coughs> he was incapacitated then, he was lying on the ground for, for whatever reason, couldn't make a decision whether they kick to the corner or kick a goal. I think Billy Holland was, was uh, put up as the captain for that split moment, and he looked like he was being a typical Billy and like playing it a little bit safe. Let's put it in the corner now, lads. <laughs> I think Simon Zebo came out on Instagram and was slagging him for for potentially trying to force their hand in that way. And uh, I'd love to know who made the decision, whether it was Scans. I mean, he hadn't kicked the ball all day, and then to you know, he's worked very hard. His legs are probably heavy, yeah. and then to make the decision, yeah, I'm going to have a pop. Uh, Eighty minute of the game, you know. Home Park, where so many moments have happened like that throughout the years, and and to have that one moment for yourself, and oh God, I don't know how kickers do it, man. I wonder though, it, as a kicker in that situation, if if he's honest, would he be thinking, right, I could take this where I'm not going to get a hard time if I miss it, or I'd maybe prefer this than one thirty meters out right in front because yeah. you're a nervous wreck. You're thinking, That's true. Yeah, I yeah. cannot miss this. Yeah, yeah. So. Almost that's some, probably a more comfortable kick. Yeah. Obviously, it's still incredibly... Uh, it's it's an unbelievable kick that he got it. So, I mean, credit where credit's due. I'm just thinking, I wonder in the mindset of a, of a, of a kicker. I've never been there. So, mm. as you say, I couldn't kick snow yeah. off a rope. I, I, yeah, me too. Like, I'm useless. But I do feel I, I sometimes play a part. I have this thing that I pray to the gods of the kicking. <laughs> uh, the kicking gods. And I only use it very occasionally. Uh-huh. I used to use it... I used it once with Barry Keishan. He was a, uh-huh. a dolphin uh, out half. And I played under 21s against uh, Leinster with him. And I used it then, and I was like, make a name for yourself, man. Come on, kicking gods, let him get this. And he got it, last kick of the game, he won it. I used it for Raj when uh, Munster beat Gloucester in that miracle match, and we needed the last kick of the game to, yeah. to, to get through top of the group. And I used it for Raj against Leicester once in Welford Road, where yeah. uh, we were a point down and we won by a point. And... Uh, yeah, so I'd like to take some sort of a. Did I used it tonight. I I got up on my on my seat and I was like, "Come on, let it, let this be a moment." Okay, you still had some credit. <laughs> yeah, so you used up four. <laughs> I mean, yeah. at what stage does that run out? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Man. I'm just that's why I'm so wary when I use it. Yeah. But I thought the other night was such a perfect moment. I think. And you've got every it. one that you've used. Yeah, yeah, I have. Wow. Yeah. Well, fair play I, mean, to I, you. I, I totally could be making that up. <laughs> Go you know what? Scannell's not the hero. O'Mahony's not the hero. No. You're the hero. Yeah, thanks, man. You deserve all the credit you're getting. Right? <laughs> to say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, other than that, it was a pretty fascinating game. I enjoyed the tactics, tactics of both sides. I think uh, Munster would have gone out looking to enforce their set piece, and 
Uh, Glasgow didn't allow it to do that. It didn't kick the ball at all. I think Munster had six lineouts in the whole game, which would have taken massively from, you know, their tactics and their platform. Um, Glasgow then had so much open field running and scored some pretty brilliant tries. Brilliant. Yeah. I don't. Were. I don't think they deserved to lose the game. No, they yeah. really didn't. Yeah. I thought they were brilliant for most of the game. Really, yeah. they, they kind of lost it themselves, <coughs> man. I think with that last few minutes it was bizarre the way they were playing they had a kick to touch off a penalty that they put pretty much straight across the yeah, field rather yeah. than you know trying to drill it in the corner but um, you know credit where credit's due I think the intensity that Munster showed for that last few minutes were you know a credit to their coaching staff I think the the you know we've both played with Fla and Felix and we know like the two of the fittest are probably the two fittest players I've ever played with and the most intense so I think they're bringing that level to the Munster side at the moment where that's what they expect from from the side is to that final few minutes to be able to dig it out and I think the likes of CJ Stander really stood up he's, he's had an interesting few weeks I think he's been targeted by a lot of teams over the last few weeks and last few months he got hit hard mm. he got he got met really physically by um, by the Glasgow back row a couple of times yeah. have you ever seen Stander get upended get knocked back the way he got knocked back at the weekend yeah. the intensity was really high and there was, a, there was a few scuffles early on as well, and I think that kind of just created a tone Goodness. of kind of dislike or yeah. frustration, and then that kind of made it more of a spectacle for the rest of yeah. us. Is there? Yeah, there's a bit of a bite there. Did you ever have a bit of a bite with with Glasgow? Yeah, little bits and pieces. Um, in the past, actually, our Ulster coaches would have fallen out with Glasgow coaches, and like there would have been a few scuffles on the pitch. Really? Yeah. The reason I remember one in particular. Uh, it was a hilarious moment whenever um, uh, Ryan Wilson um, started screaming at Pinar on the ground, like just I can't remember what he was shouting, just like I could shout and abuse at him, and then <laughs> Pete Brown, our um, English second row posh guy from Cheltenham, just retired last week actually, um, said, "Oi." It's after the watershed. It's <laughs> not even mean. <laughs> yeah. Mind your language. Oh, Jesus. I know. We just thought this has gone from really intense and really narky to hilarious yeah, yeah. <laughs> within one moment. So yeah, I love those moments. That was one of the few moments that was <laughs> diffused. You can't take it too seriously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, look, I think it, it made for a great game having that kind of physicality. And, you know, I think there was a lot of people that raised their hands for for Joe of the Schmidt's uh, teams over the next coming weeks and you know looking at the the squad that he picked going to Chicago this week for uh, for the Italy match any surprises in there for you or uh, what do you think of the potential starting 15 that that uh, he might pick have you any yeah I think we're 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 both big fans of Will, uh, Will Allison. He's gone unbelievably, unbelievably mm. well at the start of the season. He's in the mix there. New caps, Ross Byrne. And there's one more new cap. Who's that? Uh, one more new cap. <laughs> there's three new caps anyway. Good question. Um, but I think, uh, obviously, then Ireland are going to go play a few guys who kind of be bench, recover, or maybe... Yeah. Uh, not, not all the big all the cool dudes all the big names are at home mm. still a very exciting team mm-hmm. um, for me like if he went with Byrne and James Ryan in the second row like what a pairing that is how exciting that is to have the two of those guys their physicality their intensity their ability to carry over the gain line um, you know the back row whether he'll go with you know I think Ruddock will probably captain the side he's had a huge few months for Leinster um, Van der Fleer 
um, has been excellent. Mm -hmm. Conan has been excellent. Um, Burn, I think, was the other. Was it Burn? Was the other one that uh, yeah that uncapped? Yeah, yeah. So whether he goes a Burn or or Carberry, McGrath or Cooney, <coughs> any of those combinations, you know, they're pretty pretty excellent in, in how they've been managing the last few weeks for their clubs. Yeah. Um, You'd imagine you'd go Carberry. You think so? Yeah, I would have thought so, yeah. Mm. I'd go Carberry, and then for, it's a toss-up between Luke and Cooney. I suppose the only kind of logical way to look at it is that Cooney was kind of in the driving seat in June um, uh, when he got picked for tour ahead of Luke, and since then he hasn't really put a foot wrong, mm -hmm. and there's the kicking option as well, which isn't make or break, but if it's a 50-50, then it's going to go in his favour, so... For me, it's probably uh, Cooney Carberry cool. nine and ten. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? A set of halfbacks, yeah. Yeah, um, I think you know the centre partnership. I think I reckon he'd probably go with Aki and Ringrose personally. Maybe Addison on the bench. I do love the way Addison's playing at the moment. Like as a thirteen, that's that's what you're looking for for me. Mm -hmm. From a thirteen, he's got that intent to play. He controls. Uh, fourth and fifth phase by the looks of things for Ulster he knows when to make those decisions and so when to go out the back door or he knows how to create space which is, is huge <clears throat> but I think Ring Rose obviously is, is, uh, is, has been brilliant for both Ireland and Leinster for the last <coughs> couple of years so I think he deserves a start with Aki as 12 um, but great to have Addison on the bench and then If, if Ring Rose is going to start at 13 uh, I mean he's not likely to start Italy, Argentina, New Zealand, surely, is he? I don't know. Yeah. Someone to partner Henshaw, anyway, for, for the big games, I suppose, the Argentina and the New Zealand game. Um, they could go Henshaw, Aki, I suppose. Um, or, as you say, well, Addison might get his um, yeah. foot in the door there, depending if he gets an opportunity in, in Chicago. Um, yeah, I think there's plenty going on, isn't there? The, like, isn't a there? few years ago, you're going. I mean, the, the lesson that they learned at the World Cup was you cannot afford to get three or four injuries in key positions. That's it. And now well, they can. Yeah. They can do what they want. And yeah. there's guys coming in, putting their hands up. And there's serious, serious talent and serious depth in all positions now. And it's a, it's a luxury that Joe's got. And it makes things a lot more difficult for players fighting for positions, doesn't it? It does. Even like the likes of Stockdale and Larmer and Conway coming <coughs> in here. Like, I mean, what an exciting back three if that's what he goes with um, Sean Cronin if he starts I mean you know he's you know, he himself and Scannell to be fair have been have been brilliant so to have that luxury to leave those guys on the at home for the next for this week is is brilliant and very exciting times for Irish rugby and, and looking forward to the, to the New Zealand game in a few weeks there's going to be a lot of headaches for sure um, the Italy team, have you had a look at that? Yeah, it's a young team. It's a fairly inexperienced team, captained by um, Campagnaro, mm -hmm. which I didn't realise. Kind of he, I don't know if he's ever been captain before. I didn't realise he was that kind of role. He's obviously one of the most experienced guys in that team, but um, obviously, uh, yeah, they'll be coming over looking to play a bit of rugby. Yeah, I was surprised that they went with such a young team and an experienced team. I think it was a good chance for them to potentially get a scalp and against Ireland with a, with you know the world watching but um again that's it's never going to be easy against this Irish side but yeah I think it's going to be a great game to be honest it's a spectacle over there you've been there you know what it's like to play yeah. in these big games so um so yeah exciting times and just to let you know that 
because we're into this test window now and with uh, Ireland at Chicago and then the Guinness series coming up in Dublin in the Aviva Stadium we're going to go with twice a week for Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby so it's twice the crack twice the content a new episode will drop on Thursday featuring our Ireland versus Italy predictions uh, we'll answer any Twitter questions you have and also we've got an exclusive interview with Connor Murray and when I say exclusive, I mean completely inexclusive because he spoke to everyone <laughs> last week. But uh, I reckon I, I asked him a few questions that no one else would ask. Um, so here's a little taster of that Conor Murray interview right now. They're a better team than us. Like, yeah. and it's rare you feel like that. Oh, you'll always be like, oh, we should have scored a try there and that would have been it. But like, they were actually, they're just a better team at the moment. Yeah. And we've been to semi-finals and two semi-finals last year, so we're not a million miles away. They were an English team. And we were like the best team in Ireland. We'd have like, we'd be a lot feeling a lot better. You know what I mean? It's a yeah. weird situation, but um, ultimately they drive you on to, to get better to as get a better. province and, and compete. And so close, so so close. Yeah. So the um, the old Munster Leinster rivalry and uh, the inevitable kind of comparisons. If you're um, not quite if you're not quite Leinster and you're Munster or you're Ulster, then in, in my experience with Ulster, we, we always had this mindset where we were like, stop saying Leinster stop saying the way Ireland do things or the way Leinster do things let's do things the way we want to do them and then that would go a couple of weeks and then, and then <laughs> someone, would, someone would go look at the way Leinster doing that you, know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you can't help you can't help compare yourself to your interprovincial rival that's just down the road and they're doing something subtly but better more efficient and they're, they're getting more traction from doing something there's something about their setup that you emulate and uh, it's it's very flattering for uh, for Leinster to be in that position, and then obviously the likes of Monster, Ulster, Connacht. That's the big that's the big game for them. They they that's the big rivalry. That's the, the game that they get motivated to win that game. So those games are always more intense. They're always more driven to beat Leinster. Um, and again, that's just a, that's a compliment to Leinster the way they're doing stuff. So yeah, yeah I agree. I think it's a. I think it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing, and as you hear from Connor there, like they're, they're you know that that inspires them or, or drives them on to, to become better and better. So yeah, so tune in for yeah. um, the the second um, yeah, edition of, of Barry and Andrew. That's it. Don't forget to subscribe Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby and listen to our chat with Connor Murray on Thursday uh, or check it out on YouTube. Is the is the English House of Rugby have they got um, two episodes a week? Yeah, I doubt it. I don't stage. think so. We're <laughs> <laughs> just content coming out our ears at Unlucky this stage. I just love talking about rugby. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Uh, so now we've gonna we're gonna get back on Pat McCarry from Sports Joe, producer Pat. Would you please join us on the couch? Um, so Pat, um, did you get to watch any rugby the weekend? I see James Ryan got his career back on track. <laughs> Back to the win. Yeah, he's no longer a loser. <laughs> I'd say he, I'd say word filtered to him that you would be in, on his case there, and yeah, that was he actually he played seventy seven minutes of that game, so he was not leaving that pitch until he was a winner. Good, the weekend. good, James, <coughs> get your finger out. <laughs> <laughs> but they, um, yeah, that was a good game, and then just to, the Leinster production line comes up with another another lad, Conor O'Brien, came on because Rob Carney had a he actually was having a good game, another nice line break. Uh, beat a couple of lads and then um, I think it's a Kiwi hooker just absolutely flattened him from the side and he didn't get up after that uh, came off maybe he wouldn't have went to Chicago anyway but um, definitely wasn't going to Chicago after that So, How bad did it look? Is, is he a concern? 
Yeah, he was. He was down. Uh, a couple of Leinster medics came on, and he was holding his shoulder because um, he, he just made a line break, and then just from the side, I think it's Favia was his name, and he came and just just took him out from the side, like a decent enough tackle. But uh, Carney just then, I think maybe because it's Treviso, they're winning at that stage. I said, let's take him off to be sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been no. I think Leinster probably issue a medical update. I'd say about that as well. But it's one of those um, ones like where. When you go to those games over there, they're after a big Champions Cup weekend. Yeah. It's a tough place to go, and the one thing you want is a win, but it's to not take any casualties. So mm. I don't think it would be too bad. So if it isn't, I think Leinster would be absolutely delighted with getting the, the bonus point win over there and and uh, blooding a few young players. Yeah, Conor said. O'Brien. Yeah, another <coughs> lad comes out of nowhere, comes on for Carney, gets himself a try. Like it's yeah. just like it's great finish, yeah, they popped actually, another yeah. one out. Yeah, mm. I mean, a Leinster young fella coming through. Is he good enough to stay at Leinster? Will we see him <laughs> at one of the other provinces? <laughs> I suppose just three uh, foot like the the hotline, the let Leinster going. Like you know, three phone calls from the coaches. Like, do you need him for yeah. the next season at all? Or yeah. Um, so yeah, I know he was he was good, but yeah, I was I was interested in that as well. Like it's it was like a dirty like it was just rain hardly anybody in the crowd like you know on the TV cameras everybody's in the covered stands so it's just empty everywhere else in the ground I was just kind of thinking from your perspective what's it like kind of playing in those games over there tough part um, from an Ulster perspective we, we've got beaten over there once or twice by Zebra or Treviso but um, you're kind of on a hiding and nothing really if you, if you win, you're expected to win and win with a bonus point over there mm-hmm. for some reason that, that's skewed because it's not that easy and if anything less if you scrape a win you know, you've been you've, you get slated really. Uh, I remember actually one of the games a couple of years ago. Um, Stephen Ferris was on uh, on commentary and he said before, "I'm expecting five points from Ulster today," <laughs> and it just it 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 kind of kind of I don't know. It just distorts people's perception of how difficult a place it is to go. Mm. You have to go there and you have to get the job done, and you're often depleted. And it could be you know after Europe for a couple of weeks, it's a tough place to go. And going over there and getting the job done. I, last season, actually, <laughs> I captained the side that went to Zebra and got beat. And for nice, me, nice. so I ended up retiring. Point. I retired at the end of the season. <laughs> and the Zebra game was the beginning of the end. <laughs> for me, I was. They stopped talking to stuff. <laughs> I was so bad, to be fair. Most of us were pretty bad. Yeah. But um, I, oh, was, well, I up- was leading the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, they upped their game as well, you know. I think, in fairness, they, you know, they. they for that, for Zebra or for uh, for Treviso, you know, getting a big Irish team over there and taking a scalp, whether they're depleted or not, is huge for them. And you saw the way uh, Treviso played at the weekend. Yeah. The defence was ferocious, and I think they got un- unlucky in the first half with a couple of referee decisions. It could have been a different outcome. But uh, yeah, I would always say, you know, big kudos to anyone that goes over there, especially Lens for the weekend, with, with not with not having their full strength team out and come out with that kind of a win. Um, yeah. Another guy, um, um, the the centre, the American centre, um, Emmerich, Paul, Paul Emmerich, Emmerich. Yeah, yeah. played at uh, Parma for a while, yeah. and he tells a story about how he um, kind of again had another encounter with kind of mob guys, <laughs> a made man, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and he, yeah, exactly. He said he was on a night out in Parma, and uh, some guy pulled up on a on a moped. On a Vespa, <laughs> so gangster, Classic. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he was like revving it and stuff to like intimidate. <laughs> so this guy came over and uh, he he kind of like they got into an argument and Emmerich pushed him off his scooter. <laughs> he fell backwards and like wrecked himself, and then Emmerich ran off. <laughs> I don't know exactly how that finished, but 
I'm sure he went to bed that night and thought, there will be no um, gangster-related <laughs> fallout from this encounter. <laughs> and then on Monday morning, then Emmerich went into training and uh, one of the guys uh, one of the guys in his team said, hey, Paul, uh, did you have much of a weekend? He's like, yeah, yeah, quite enough. And he said, did you get into a fight? Because he said, you hit the wrong man. <laughs> and then it turned out... Mobster, a gangster, mobster, whatever. Right, yeah, called, yeah, I don't know what the kids are calling them nowadays. Yeah. But um, Emmerich then had to go and meet this guy to pay him compensation. Unreal. Yeah, and he had to meet him in the kitchen of an Italian restaurant. <laughs> oh my God! Is this another Nick Williams story? <laughs> And he had his gun taped to the jacks and so yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Nick Williams one, I'm not sure about. Right. I'm 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 fairly sure about the American one. Vespa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, the Italian, Italian restaurant. Yeah, that's that's like. I I might have made I might have I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember Emmerich telling me a story. I just remember hearing the story from Nick Williams. Right. But wow. God. Yeah. Listen, there's locking on in Italian rugby. Yeah. There's actually yeah, it looks, it here looks first. pretty kind of t- tepid from when you're watching it on TV. But <laughs> <laughs> it's what's going on behind the camera. Behind the scenes, on those yeah. games, yeah. Let me tell you. Um, With the um, of all the games, I kind of <clears throat> caught highlights of it now. But saw all the other games. I missed the the Ulster game. I only kind of got got bits and pieces of that game, but. Um, yeah, Henry Spate looks like he's kind of, at least he's given him value for money anyway before he goes, and Max Phillips doing a good job when he gets the chance, but um, yeah, they, they look decent enough. You guys are kind of the Addison fan club, it's kind yeah. of going well, and another decent game for him. Absolutely, yeah. as you say, Johnny McPhillips, he's been very unlucky this season not to get mm. uh, much game time, because I thought he was one of the few guys standing up last year, and yeah. uh, whenever the rest of the team weren't performing, he was still doing a really good job. And he's just been unlucky. Billy Burns has come in and done really well. I think uh, he's standout for me, uh, McPhillips. Yeah. I think his speed of pass, his, uh, he always has an option inside. He'll show you know his movement of the ball in his hands. He's so active around the back of the ruck. His jumper from and his timing with uh, when he makes a, a dart right or left is perfect. Just keeps the the defence sitting back. I think all the time, um, and his speed of pass, like zipping those backdoor passes to Addison or to Lowry, yeah. um, and he's always taking different options as well. I, I yeah. think he's absolute ball to feel. He, he he probably he's he's in a luxurious position where he's got. You're in McCluskey, he's got Addison mm. outside him, he's got, now he's got Laurie. Yeah. Obviously, Mikey picked up an injury there, so yeah. real shame because he was just starting to get yeah. into his stride and get a bit of a Great feel try for him. again, for another 15. brilliant step, like yeah. what speed he has. And, yeah. um, Addison, he'd have a great break for, uh, for Shanahan's try. Yeah. Um, timing of offload as well there, I think. Like he. Throwing dummies, yeah. you know what? There's not enough dummies in this game. Uh, yeah. just, he just kept throwing them, and people just dropping left, right, and centre, and then eventually he just offloads this handy little little one hand pass. But I was very impressed with Ulster again. Again, their intent to play, really enjoy watching them. Um, and you a you were um, you had a bit of an issue with um, uh, some commentary at the weekend. Mark Ronson, Robson's uh, Ronson. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark Robson's uh, chat is is always pretty funny, but um, funny in kind of like a cringy uncle kind of way. But uh, yeah, he did a lot of Halloween kind of related comments at the weekend, like Michael Lowry's full of tricks and treats, <laughs> and he's away. I think he said someone's away on his broomstick there at one point, uh, which just cracks me up. A yeah. week out from Halloween as well. Like, yeah, you know, like yeah, it's not yeah. like it's on Halloween night. It's just like. 
Feck it, I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. I've, I've prepared these jokes. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I've done all this homework. Yeah. yeah, He got in bother there recently whenever I was in Co-Coms. Uh It was the Connacht game at uh, Kingspan and uh, he was talking about how Connacht hadn't beat uh, Ulster in Belfast since 1960. Yeah, He said 1960, um, Gary Lineker was born, uh, Maradona, um, Kenneth Branagh. And then he said... Jeffrey Dahmer and <laughs> Richie Ramirez, <laughs> and then he said, um, "Richie Ramirez, the Night Stalkers." Not him. He was a serial. Oh, he's another yeah. serial killer. Yeah. Wow. So, and then he said, "1960 uh, was a great year for serial killers." <laughs> <laughs> During the match. During the game. Yeah. We oh were like, "This God. is brilliant. This it's class. That's yeah. brilliant. Great stuff." Yeah. And we kind of thought, "I don't know how to answer that, but I'm enjoying it." Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how to follow up. But uh, then a couple of minutes later, we just heard over the over the earphone, um, uh, "Robbo, you're gonna have to apologise for that." <laughs> so he had to say sorry, as if like, there's some serial killer Ulster supporters sitting yeah. at home going, "How dare he speak about us like that? We have feelings too." <laughs> but yeah, he got on bother. He was he was reeling about that one. Oh, re- yeah, I'd say he doesn't care what he says now at this stage. He's been at it so long. He's a big fan of yours, Robbo. Is he? Yeah. Go away. Yeah, he said you were the Gary Ringrose of your generation. Oh, I'll take that. High praise. Oh, I'm a massive, High praise because massive Ringrose fan. Yeah, so. and Gary Ringrose is the Brown O'Driscoll of his generation. I'll take it, whatever it means. Uh, we'll tell him I'm a massive fan as well. Yeah, yeah, I'll put you in touch and you can. Dude, we should get him on the show. Absolutely, yes. he'd be great to Perfect. be on the show. Perfect. Anything else, Pat? Yeah, it would be, like I was watching the the Connacht game there as well, and. Um, we got sports file to send us in um, books. You know, like they, have a, they have a book out for, for Christmas, like great rugby moments. And uh, so we'd kind of run a competition on the House of Rugby side. And I was watching the Connacht game back and they were dreadful for 65 minutes. But I knew there was going to be a couple of tries scored. And then we had someone buzz at the offices and I had to drop down the book to him. A uh, guy, Daryl, he, he was one of our followers of, of House of Rugby, came back and Connacht had scored those two tries that I knew were coming. You know, like, but I'd yeah. missed them, so I'd missed the only good part of the game. And then for the next ten minutes, they were they were bad again. Like, but uh, I just thought, yeah, it was a real tight ground, bridge end. The grass was a little bit longer. Ospreys had a great kicking tactic. I like, kept kicking the ball in behind them, kept kicking for Adi Alokan, knee Adi Alokan. Every time they got the ball, spotted him, kicked it to him. And there was one moment I thought was very funny where uh, Adi Alokan just took a high ball. He, he shelled a couple, but he took a high ball. And then you just saw two boys coming at him and just tried to call a late mark like that. And the ref was like, no, it's too late. And he got bounded Jeez. all in the space of a couple of seconds. Like, but, uh, oh, the mark can be confusing, yeah. can't it? When it's like, it? yeah, when can, you do, when can you call it? How much time do you have to call it? Like, so I was kind of wondering, did that kind of stuff ever happen to you boys? Uh, you know, just seeing someone coming in your direction and trying to call a mark at the last second. I hated having to call marks. Because, yeah, there was, a, there was a time there when it was, you didn't know whether you could get off the ground or what. And, mm. I did you play in those days, did you? Yeah. Did you play when you had to make a mark? <laughs> oh, <laughs> on the pitch? <laughs> you did not. No. <laughs> Another new uh, Williams story. Those were the I, days. I remember one against, we played against uh, Sale in Thoman Park, I think it was around 2008, 2009, and we were giving them a bit of a bait and, and Sebastian Chabal was playing for them at the time and he was back in their 22 when we put a, a big high long kick a bit too long and it went to him we had a good line chasing up and I presume that he would call a mark or there was that little 
split second where he didn't know what he was going to do. And I think Chabal is one of those players that he's unreal, he's very physical and he's physically talented, but I don't think he knows the rules sometimes. So he didn't know whether he should call a mark or something, and I kind of knew that. So he kind of caught it, and there was this brief moment of of knowing it was going to happen and he just stood there and he growled at us <laughs> he just kind of went <laughs> and I actually started laughing uh, I remember Luke McAllister was standing beside him and he was just like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> and then everyone just jumped on him and we tackled him into touch and that was my yeah one of my favourite moments in Thorn Park I'll have to go back and see if I can find this clip yeah, yeah. just like a, like a bear <laughs> you're like I don't think that's allowed I'm going to tackle you anyway here like um, yeah it got pounded like and but yeah like because yeah you surely you'd have the thing where you're targeted every now and then or the ball keeps coming your way or but uh, yeah it, it is a big tactic for teams isn't it just putting it high up let's test Trimble out here or have you ever had that before you mean specifically me yeah. let's test Trimble I remember always. actually playing the Ospreys uh, and I had so Tommy had just left and was playing for the Ospreys Tommy knew me very well at the time obviously and I had just moved from centre to the wing so there was a few kind of nuances even just high ball reception was I was just kind of getting getting mm-hmm. a grips with it and it was coming into the game more whereas before kind of no one really did that for some, yeah. for some reason kick tennis for a while yeah, yeah and uh, I remember one game of a restart uh, James Hook was about to kick, kick, um, kick off and he looked at Tommy and he obviously he obviously Tommy had obviously said to him Trimble can't catch (laughs) (laughs) yeah and but then Hook obviously he wasn't sure which one was Trimble so he looks at Tommy and he goes (laughs) for those listening there was a nod there and I I looked at it I thought I know what's going on there (laughs) Tommy has screwed me over (laughs) he denies it to this day but I know I know what's going on to be fair to him he wasn't wrong was he believe it or not I caught that one yes (laughs) of course he did the um, the other game we were we kind of chatted a little bit over the weekend was the the All Blacks game against um, dropping him in Japan to play the third Bledisloe game against Australia but you know they're only a couple of weeks away from coming here but um, just looked so impressive again scoring tries in the last five minutes of the first half as well and um, just loved the shithouse tactics from the All Blacks as well like the dirty tactics and taking guys out off the ball as well and um, yeah the one I liked was uh, the scrum where they all started to go one way shape back in the other direction and uh, Liam Squire just came around the back of the scrum and just took Jack Dempsey out and was just like, "You ain't taking part in this play." Like, and yeah. and then it, well, they still needed Rico Iwane to make a break, and he did so, and and I think he got Barrett away for one of his tries. But just love that type of stuff from the All Blacks. Mm. Like, you know, Ireland are going to be getting, you know, their faces rubbed in it there in a couple of weeks now. Like, so um, as great as they are, it's, I actually love that they can do the dirty stuff as well. Yeah, I I actually have to agree with you completely. Like when people lose their minds on Twitter, which they did over the weekend because of that moment, and I think the Aaron Smith moment where he took a a block, he just ran straight across half the the Aussie back line mm. as they were trying to to scramble back to to catch Ben Smith, and he blatantly changed his line of running and uh, blocked them off, and then you'd the yellow card for the for the Aussie hooker that came on, which you know he was in in and antagonised as well to, to yeah. do that and it was like well at the same time there it's like of a book they just know when to do it when to turn the screw and um, you know a fair play to the Aussies I thought they came out and you got to play against New Zealand and they mm. went at them like they really 
they, you know, and it shows Ireland, as you said, they're playing them in a couple of weeks, what kind of way <coughs> Ireland have to go about it, and it is, um, you got to go out and play end to end rugby, you got to have a go at mm. them. I think Australia probably lost it in the green zone, they're a bit too panicky, uh, Foley tended to kind of throw wild passes. As far as to take anything from that, from Ireland's pr perspective, it would be once they get into that green zone, is they got to take control and cool the Jets to a certain extent, not throw those wild passes, allow the likes of Sexton and uh, whoever's playing at nine and maybe another back to make those big decisions. Yeah. Um, after fourth or fifth phase or sixth phase in the, in the green zone, but, but uh, that's where that's where Ireland thrive. Though when they get in the green zone, yeah, they come away with points more often than not. And again, in the past, it's because you've got obviously Schmidt uh, pulling the strings, Sexton and Murray. So big um, kind of responsibility on whoever it is running that 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 nine Cooney McGrath Marmion, mm. whoever it is, kind of organising that and running that and kind of being as efficient and stingy and kind of ruthless in that mm. uh, green zone as Ireland have been for the last couple of years but just um, the, the New Zealand-Australia rivalry is it's never going to be matched really but mm. New Zealand-Ireland rivalry is really kind of getting more intense and yeah. kind of there's more yeah. going on off the pitch and there's more chat um, <clears throat> we experienced that a couple of years ago after we, we beat them in Chicago then we played them in Dublin two weeks later and they were fired up. That That's was right. when um, Zebo got his yeah. head taken off. Yeah. And um, Henshaw got. Oh no, was it Jared Payne or Henshaw got KO? Henshaw got yeah, KO yeah, early in the game. Yeah. The shoulder yeah. to the head. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, when they scored early on in the game, Israel Dag was screaming in our faces. You know, and mm. we were going again. Is it kind of similar to what we're talking about earlier on with the Munster Leinster, Ulster Leinster, the rivalry? They had they had so much respect for us mm. that that they were so fired up. It was, it's almost wow, we're on their radar. Yeah. Whereas before, we wouldn't have even. They would have just thought we'll we'll probably beat Ireland. We'll do a research. Obviously, we'll know the players. We'll know the way they play. But now Ireland are are a threat. Mm. You know, I still don't think Ireland are the favourites, but the rivalry is such that New Zealand really take that seriously. And again, Joe's a big reason for that. Yeah, there was a time when I was in um, the 2012 tour. Uh, when they went down to play the All Blacks three times and um, I was chatting to Nanu, man Anu there um, and just kind of saying any Irish guys you're looking out for any guys we should we'd keep keep an eye on and he just goes uh, yeah yeah Paul O'Connell he's a good player like you know and I was like oh, Paul O'Connell's out he's, he's injured like and he goes, yeah, oh, the rest of those guys are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, you don't know any of us, do you? Right. Like, and it was just that thing. And I, I remember Brian O'Driscoll used to say that. It's like, they don't respect us, and why should they? You know, because we yeah. haven't beat them yet. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember when we were playing uh, South Africa a couple of years ago, JP Peterson, I think journalists love that, <laughs> love putting guys on the spot and saying, yeah. oh, tell us who... Specifically, apart from O'Connell and O'Driscoll, yeah. who are you looking out for? And then uh, JP, JP Peterson was put on the spot and he said, um, I, apparently he was talking about me, but he didn't know my name. Oh. And I've, apparently he called me um, David Skrella. <laughs> <laughs> the French 10, wasn't it? It was yeah, in Toulouse, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And someone put it together and they're like, I think he means, I think he means Trimble. 
Okay, right. Strettle, maybe? It's like a, was the Strettle a David Strettle, yeah. yeah. I'd yeah. say he just kind of mashed it together. Because yeah. he's yeah. blonde. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> Mystery solved. There you go. That's, that's, uh, nice. that's, that's South African arrogance there, isn't it? Like, just to kind of, uh, who are they as well? But the, the other one I was kind of getting was the, um, when I was listening back to the House of Rugby English version yeah. um, last week, was uh, Haskell was talking, James Haskell was on, and he had a, a bee in his bonnet about English arrogance and <coughs> this perceived thing where um, everybody thinks that the English are these kind of guys that kind of look down their nose and everybody and they're the bad guys and um, yeah I think it's a, we, we have a clip of it here I think it'd be an interesting one to have you guys have a listen to and talk about We'll ask one thing I'm always interested about the English arrogance thing um, just be- in having been lucky enough to play for England and it's something that's levelled against the team a lot it's almost uh, I found playing for England we're, we're often apologetic yeah. Playing for England, it's the complete opposite. Uh, I'm, you know, we're often on the receiving end of quite a lot of what I would class as arrogance. Because I mean, you know why everyone <clears> hates England because of you know 500 years of empire building, um, and and nobody likes England, and that's that's something you come to terms with as a as a player. And everyone wants to beat you. Yeah. There's nothing better than beating England, and everyone says our oh, arrogant English. But actually, you know, I've seen things and a little bits and pieces against teams I played for where I'm thinking if I did that or I conducted myself in that way it would be um, you know it would be a nightmare that would be kind of in the newspaper kind of stuff give us an example Um, well, no, I mean, I've actually got something saved up for the, 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 for the Six Nations, but I, I remember just watching a video of some people singing a song uh, essentially assaulting England, and I was thinking if we did that, yeah. that would be just terrible. Um, and I just think that it's, it's interesting, everyone does talk about this English arrogance, where I find as an England player, uh, we just we do everything not to show that, and I think it would help the team sometimes. I think it would be quite good Isn't to that have what that. Eddie came in and instilled, though, was a bit of get your jaw jutting again and... Yes, he did. He did in terms of having that confidence on what we should be doing. But if you always watch, um, you know, I think in my first uh, time with him, until we won the Grand Slam yeah. was the only time we celebrated after a game. The only time. If you watch back all the footage of everything, literally posing for the photo at the end of the thing with whatever it might be, Calcutta Cup and whatever, no smiles, business on, no celebrating, no whooping, no in your face, no nothing. And that was the same. Even in Australia, same thing, finish the game, business. Even the Six Nations, business, 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 until we actually got um, some silverware and the job was done. Yeah. So I think it's interesting with the English arrogance. I think, um, you know, I remember I, I saw an article once uh, and I stupidly looked at the comments on it. It was an article about myself, obviously arrogance and arro- <laughs> uh, ego got a bit the better of me and I decided to look at it because it, and it said at the bottom in the comments section... In your daily Haskell Google. In the daily Haskell Google, yeah, <laughs> when my, the alerts go up. And it said in the article, it was about myself and English rugby, and in the bottom, the comments section, which you should never go and, and why, ever... Why would you, you know, ever do that? Because I realise that's where people's souls go to die. Like, people who log on to, to newspaper articles and set up a profile and comment, they are the worst of the worst of the worst. There's a, there's a space in hell reserved for them. And this person said, you can sum up the problem with English sport, right? Not just rugby, but English sport and English rugby in two words James Haskell and I was like so essentially did you, did you up like it trying to get up because it was a name mention but I thought I was actually blown away by that I thought I am responsible for everybody hates England yeah so um, you could just hear James going on uh, interesting already he's creeping around uh, online comment sections as well yeah, yeah. but um, yeah this whole thing of like that uh the English are the bad guys and they're always a team to beat as well like is it still that way because I was looking back at Haskell's record and like he's played Ireland nine times, won four, lost five. Like so, it's not this kind of thing that they're the dominant team anymore. But are England still the team like that you want to beat when you you know you're going into a test match? Yeah, I think England are. I don't. 
I wouldn't buy too much into um, the whole tradition and the, the old enemy, and I wouldn't get too carried away with that. When you get on the pitch, they're just <laughs> they're just normal fellas. They've just got this reputation, and I suppose maybe as he says, <laughs> summed up in Haskell. I don't know why um, he actually Joe seemed to be doing wonders for his brand. <laughs> he's doing really that's well on the red. podcast that he's obviously he plays up to it as well I think that's yeah. it's banter for more than anything mm. I think that that rivalry and I think the fans play up to it players play up to it and uh, you know it's like it, as he said it does go back a long time with that empire building attitude the Irish relationship with England is quite I think Tommy Tiernan summed it up before for me when he was like uh we like to see the English lose at things like sport and war. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's it's never going to stop. I don't think, but it is kind of a. I think a yeah, it's right, it's right. almost like they don't get the same history lessons. Like you know, why would they in their history lessons go on about yeah, and we screwed over this country here now? They're just going to do their own thing. But yeah. our history lessons are all about mm. well, we got these boys came over and you know kicked the crap out of us here and did this here like so I remember talking to um, yeah just like a, a girl before about you know why didn't we support England if they support us and you're like because X Y and Z and she's like oh I, I didn't know that as well but like is there they always seem to be that team to beat but again like I think when Eddie Jones came in and it worked for a couple of years like short term anyway um, like who knows how it's going to go from going into the World Cup but he kind of he played on that, didn't he? Like he, he actually brought the bad boys back in and Hartley yeah. and, mm. and Brown and, and Haskell and stuff like that. And yeah. they came in and they just kind of, let's everybody hates us, so let's play up to it. I think that's how it kind of worked for a couple yeah, of years. They, they embraced it. I think it's, that's a kind of fairly strategic tactic mm. from them. Just embrace it. This is who we are. Um, no one likes us. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to change. That's the way we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it, I thought it was good, but... Um, yeah, and he also, I think, he called you out, I think, on that show about... Uh, he did, yeah. He's, he's found out that you've been... I've been trolling him. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's been trolling him, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. And so many people are trolling him that he didn't even spot that I'd been trolling him. It just it just slipped in there amongst other comments. How do you troll him? <clears throat> just David Brent references. Underneath his Instagram posts. Yeah, so on. with a... Uh, you know, an anonymous account. <laughs> Spineless. Standard, <laughs> standard trolling. Uh, I have a question for Haskell. Go on. Um, uh, James, is it true that you um, do a, a great Rob Howley impression? And if you do, we'd love to hear it, please. Gotcha. All right, well... We mentioned earlier before we headed to Chicago, um, Pat got to speak with Gary Ringrose last week at the launch of Ireland's new home and alternative jerseys made by Canterbury. So we're going to have a quick listen to that now. Good start to the season. Got to try try there recently enough at the weekend and um, looks like it's going pretty well for you already. Happy that you've able to had a run into it as well and doing well. Yeah, it was um, off the back of the tour, which seems like a while ago now. So it was a couple of weeks of of tough training and, and everyone on the tour is pretty keen to get back playing as soon as possible so um, luckily enough it, it's been okay obviously not with the the game against Scarlets it's not ideal but the, it's a good start so far um, still a lot to improve and, and kind of as a group we're learning loads each game and, and seeing you know, a ton of areas that need improvement uh, you know, particularly going into this week now and, and the games ahead is a pretty hectic schedule so we'll have to do whatever we can to kind of be at our best mm. And we were talking to Jason Cowman there um, earlier in the week. He was talking about all your the player management plan and how that's worked out as well. 
do you guys have an input on that? Like, I know you've probably asked for your opinion and stuff, but like, is most of it just like, listen, I'm playing this week, this is what I've been told, is that how it works? Uh, oh yeah, sure. It's, I mean, selection is something that's never in your control. And, mm. um, yeah, no, I've known no players ever to be able to pick themselves or not. So you kind of just work as hard to, to be in as best posi- uh, position physically possible, available for selection, and then kind of the rest is sort of out of your hands. Um, with the schedule, in such tough games that that kind of just such an emphasis on recovery and and rehab and staying in, in shape and injury free so kind of the responsibility is on the players to do what they can there and and the rest is out of their control and so there's no point really worrying about it or, or overthinking about it and have you ever at any stage of your career even back in schools or anything like that ever felt the need to go and ask why you weren't playing in a certain position or weren't even playing as well have you ever been slapped down for doing something like that um uh, I've been, over the years been dropped and selected and picked some weeks not others so mm. it's it's just part and parcel of it and as in you focus on, on training as hard as you can and, and keep improving those those areas and as well as staying in best shape possible with through recovery and, and rehab stuff like that so um, you kind of just do what you're told you know what I mean it's it's my job or, or our job anyway to be the best version of ourselves it's not our job to pick the team or mm. anything like that so we just sit back and, and do what we're told and the likes again as we mentioned of someone like James and Dan Levy and the boys you all broke through that last season as well when you're getting back for pre-season training what's it like again I know everybody kind of talks about this kind of mentality that's there in Leinster as well but are you guys really pushing each other hard and is there like hard words even said in pre-season as well um, yeah well, well we're incredibly lucky at Leinster with the, the competition there and right across the team and, and certainly at centre now with, with Joe Tamani and, and then Tom Daly as well finished the end of came back at the end of last year with his, with his ACL and but it's good to go um sorry he's good to go from from now along with the rake of other centers so there's there's a lot of competition in there so um yeah we're all working incredibly hard to to be lucky enough to be selected and then and then obviously try and perform at our best as well so it's uh yeah there's no complacency or anyone getting comfortable amongst the group and just the last one for me then is just the whole kind of uh, slate of games that's coming up in November um, you're over there in Chicago for that game against New Zealand as well but how great would it be to be involved against them at the Aviva Stadium yeah it would be I mean you always dream of, of playing against uh, the All Blacks or playing against New Zealand uh, they're number one for a reason it's always a tough game and, and it's kind of a, it's a pretty tough test along with I mean the other four four games as well there's no easy game amongst the series so um, well, from personally to be, to be lucky enough to get involved in any of them would be delighted but I think at the end of the day don't really certainly in this position now don't really look forward or worry about them it's kind of focusing on the province and, and, and ultimately trying to put your hand up for selection there try and do as best you can for the province and then as I was saying with regards to selection it's kind of out of your control whatever happens there it's, it's, yeah, it's just don't worry about it too much You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe together with Guinness Okay, but it's time for our Guinness Made of More Player of the Week. Uh, We put out a poll on Monday after all the Guinness Pro 14 games and asked for your top performer. Pat, the results. The results, I've got them here. Um, Yeah, we had this this week, it was James Tracy, uh, Stuart McCloskey, um, Peter O'Mahony and Rory Scannell. Um, Dubai, Mr. over in Dubai at the moment, heading to South Africa and... uh, Scannell won it. Scannell got forty-two percent of the vote, and I think Fair enough. that kick probably got him a good yeah. few percent anyway. So balls so. of steel, Scannell. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think you can't go you can't go wrong with that. It was uh, it was some some effort after eighty minutes and to get a huge win for Munster. So behind that, yeah, fair enough. 
We'll have to come up with some kind of prize or something like that. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah no, because like, uh, we're like, oh, well done, Roy. Trophy, yeah. Joe, a Joe pillow. You're getting a Joe pillow. pillow. Okay, now it's time for hashtag Ask HOR. Pat, have we any questions from Twitter? Yeah, we, we got a few in there. Um, so thanks, everybody, for that. Um, first one is Willie. Uh, his Twitter handle is at ChelseaFan50. And he wants to know, uh, 40 years since the All Blacks were beaten by Munster, and he's wondering why there was no anniversary game or no, no kind of game, especially with the All Blacks being over, to commemorate that result. It would be a great idea. Is it, is it, fifth, it is 78, years. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a shame they couldn't hook something up there, isn't it? We're afraid we'd beat them. I'd say that's probably what it is. We came so close the last time. Um, we raised the hearts and souls of the nation, and then we dashed them. Um, yeah, that would be unreal. I don't know if that's going to ever happen again. Really, is it with the the midweek games? It's that seems like it's something that you got your play, didn't you? We did. We did. <laughs> Just leave it at that. Would you? <laughs> play is still going in New York, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, good call, Willie. But um, uh, sure, look, we'll go for a few pints and celebrate all th- all the same. Is it? Is it Willie? Is it at Willie, aka Chelsea fan fifty? Is that? I, I think. It's, I think it's just at Chelsea fan fifty. Okay. I actually know who that is. <laughs> oh God, I do. I do. Hi, Willie. Hope you're well, man. Um, Huge Chelsea fan. Michael, what is it? Uh, Michael Harry, he, he asked us, um, do, any, do you guys think, or even myself as well, that Wales could be dark horses for the 2019 World Cup? Yeah, I think I responded to him on Twitter about oh, this. Yeah. Um, they, could, they could. I mean, who, who knows? I, mean, uh, I think the Autumn Internationals would tell a lot, right? Uh, they've got Australia, Scotland... Um, which would be two big tests of Australia and they're in their World Cup group so I think if they can beat them they can get out of that group mm. so it'll be interesting to see I haven't seen a huge amount of them obviously since uh, since the Six Nations last year which they were pretty pretty strong and they were very close <coughs> to winning it so yeah what do you think? Well traditionally they struggle in, in the autumn and then between the autumn and Six Nations then they improve mm-hmm. massively so if that happens, then they'll be peaking at the right time. But yeah, obviously, you know, a side like Wheels, there's enough strength there to do a bit of damage. Mm-hmm. And we had um, Andrew Kiley, he got onto us there and late last night, and he said John Ryan is getting the shout uh, for Ireland. Like Ireland often call him into the squad, but Stephen Archer still isn't kind of getting in there, and he kind of wonders why Archer maybe isn't, you know, in Joe Schmidt's good books at the moment. Yeah, that's that's it is a little bit strange, I suppose. Mm. Um, one coach sees value in kind of one uh, trait that one player's bringing and then the other one kind of maybe just slightly different styles. Honestly, I'm not sure we're qualified to, to comment on, on front rowers <laughs> or tight heads. No notion, yeah. yeah. All I could think of was just maybe a couple of... Ah, like I, I say, Ryan probably comes in and does a job for Joe. You know, I kind of think if you trust guys like... Oh, I was thinking was a couple of disciplinary things recently for Archer, like where he kind of given away penalties or got yellow carded there in the Champions Cup, but but I think Joe always would have went with, with Ryan anyway. Ryan probably trusts him a little bit more, so um, that's that's my take on it anyway. But the the final one we had actually was from Fiona Steed, and she's asked us, "Will there be any more John Hayes stories?" <laughs> uh, yeah, we should actually have a weekly thing with John Hayes. Imagine it's... getting John Hayes in the couch. That's what we should do. Wow. Yeah, I love I love the fact that he's got his wife to stand up for him. Yeah, on <laughs> yeah. For anyone that doesn't realise that that's Johnny's wife Fiona, who uh, is always fighting battles for him, really. To be honest with you. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. 
Um, keep, keep them coming, Fiona. Yeah, yeah, we could do it a few more dirty stories on, on Hazy, but yeah, let's, let's get him in here to talk, to defend himself without his wife. Mm-hmm. I'll give up. I actually don't think there'd be room for me on this couch <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. came and sat here. Um, but yeah, that's it. So, so thanks everybody for that. And um, yeah, keep them coming. Keep them coming next week as well. It's November games, so I'm sure we'll be flooded with questions now about selections and who should start and stuff like that as well. So it should be good. Yep. Okay, right. Thank you, everybody, for your comments, uh, for your questions, for listening, and for uh, watching on YouTube. Thank you to everyone uh, who is responsible for putting this show together. Big thanks there. Thank you, Pat, for coming on and for putting all this together. This has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness, and we'll see you on Thursday. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.